Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Okay, go ahead and turn me to the book of Matthew chapter 21. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 16. I want you to look and follow me as I go into today's text. And as I go into it, I'm going to go ahead and just outline a few points before I get into the meat of the message. I want you to notice in verse 12. Then Jesus went into what, the, what Matthew the, describes as the temple of God. It's important that you understand that this was not uh, an ordinary temple, but this was God's temple. And that's important because not every temple that they described is God's temple or synagogue. But this is important to understand that this is God's temple. And notice when he got in there, he drove out. All those who bought and sold in the temple overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And in verse 13, he told them after he drove them out, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then after they were drove out in verse 14, then. Knows the next opportunity was, or who knows how long, but then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Notice the same temple they were drove out of. This is where the blind and the lame came to now after all these individuals were drove out. And he, notice when they came there, he healed them. He healed the blind and he healed the lame. But then there were chief priests and scribes who saw the wonderful things that he did. Notice they, they saw all the wonderful things he did. And the children, and notice not only that, the children were crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Notice, as soon as they were drove out, the blind and the lame were healed. Chief priests got upset, but they were still crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant and said to him, do you hear? Do you hear what these are saying? And notice what Jesus' response was, yes. I hear them crying out, Hosanna. I hear them praising me. In fact, I hear them giving me glory. I hear what's going on. Boy, it's going to be a good question. Did God hear us this morning when we were praising God? Hallelujah. Then he goes on to say, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. A lot in that's in this text, but I will pray that God will give us the grace to go through it. Let's talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. A praying church will experience God's miracles. Notice the title. A praying church will experience God's miracles. Last week, we spent time discussing the importance of being a member of a praying church. And as believers, we must be convinced that prayer works regardless of what we see and what we hear and what's going on around us. We must believe firmly in the power of prayer as well as being persuaded that it works. God's house is and must remain a sacred place of worship and prayer. It must be a place set apart for God and connected to God and blessed by God. Let's go to John 4, 23 and 24. The book of John, chapter 4, verses 23 and verse 24. 
But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship, must worship in spirit and truth. So we says here that the hour is coming now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him, to reverence him, to adore him, to bow down to him. For God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I believe that revelation knowledge of the word of God helps us to continue to gain a better understanding. That is why we come and bow down and reference and adore him. As we begin to seek uh, him in a greater way, God shows us the need and the necessity of prayer and seeking his face. There's something powerful about bowing down to the one true God in spirit and in truth that shows us how powerful he really is and how much we need his presence in every area of our lives. Some of you have experienced that. When you're more that you spend time with God, the more you realize how powerful he is. And, and he shows you things that you never would have saw on your own. He begins to give you truth that helps you to walk, go navigate through life's uh, uncertainties. He gives us truth. How many can appreciate that God gives you truth to make it through life's uncertainties? You know he is a God of truth. He continues to lead and to guide us into all truth. Prayer helps us to invite him in and helps us to be eager to hear what he is speaking uh, through us, through his written and his revealed word of God. When we invite God, we're asking him to come in. We're requesting his presence. We're calling on him in our time of need, as well as when we just want to tell God, thank you. Sometimes you, your prayer life should be, God, I just thank you. I, ain't, I just come to tell you thank you for everything you've done. I don't really need anything. You, you've already blessed me more than I deserve. But God, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you for uh, cars traveling to and fro. Thank you for food on the table. Thank you, God, for my life, health, and my strength. Thank you, God, that you, ha- you made a way out of nowhere. Thank you, God, that you're protecting my family. Thank you, God, that, listen, even though the world going one way, you're still the same yesterday, today, and for forevermore. Sometimes I don't need to ask him anything. I just need to tell God thank you for all the things he's done for me. Good. Now, prayer is hearing God, hearing God's word in faith. It is a necessary part of a believer's life. It is required. It is necessary for us to deal and to have a prayer life. We see in scripture how miracles are manifested when people heard the teaching of God's word. They, they, when, see, when they heard his word, his miracles were displayed, they were demonstrated in the lives of his people. We recognize how powerful Jesus is when we commit to hearing and applying his word. I believe that when we see and recognize uh, greater miracles around us being manifested in our lives, and when we have a prayer life. See, sometimes there are miracles happen around us that we don't even recognize because we're not in tune to God. God be doing great things around us, healing folks, delivering folks, protecting folks. Lord, I thank God for divine protection. God protecting me in ways. Sometimes when I walk out of place, I say, God, you just protected me again. 
and it sees protection, you don't always see protection with your natural eyes. You just see, you just experience the results of it after God has protected you. Oh, that, that's a good preaching right there, Dobbs. Lord, the protection is supernatural. You can't see protection, but God is protecting us every day of our lives. Thank God for divine protection. How many thank God for divine protection? Yes, God, thank God for divine protection. And when you understand his miracle working power, his divine intervention, his supernatural deeds by all powerful God being manifest in our lives, you learn how to appreciate that. And prayer helps you to do that. Now, the New Testament gives us great examples of Jesus teaching in the synagogue. Now, a synagogue is what we consider a church, but more specifically, it's a place of worship more for the Jewish, it was a Jewish place of worship. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 13. Luke 13. I want to look, show you something here in this particular scripture. Luke 13. Gonna be looking at verses 10 through 13. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Luke chapter 13 verses 10 through 13. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could no, in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Notice in this text that Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. He was explaining the scriptures to the people. He was imparting doctrine to the people. He was instilling or instructing them in the ways of God. He was teaching and a woman heard it who had been bound for 18 years. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a long time to be bound. That is a long time to be looking for help and cannot find it. But Jesus loosed her from her infirmity. That means the infirmity uh, was attached to her and he set her free from it. He dismissed the, the, the infirmity's assignment from her life. He also, this is, I like this, he sent the infirmity away. And God will not only do it for you, but he'll do it for those that are around you. He'll do it for your family. He'll do it for your, you. He'll do it for those you're praying for. He will lose the assignment. And not only that, when they, when the miracle manifests itself, he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. And what she done there is real important. She glorified God. She magnified him. She honored him. She praised him. She celebrated him. And see, there is something said when the Lord hand is in our lives. God is doing a great thing in our lives. Now, notice what he allowed in the church at that particular time. Listen, he allowed teaching to go on. He allowed ministry to the woman. And then he allowed praise and worship to go on. That's important that we understand what God allows in his sanctuary. So when we understand what he allows, we should understand better what he does not allow in his sanctuary. And so these individuals, they glorify God. Now, let's look at another example. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Let's go there. Again, in that particular example, there was teaching in the synagogue, there was ministry in the in synagogue, and then she uh, glorified God. She magnified him in the sanctuary. 
It's important that we understand what God allows and what he does not allow. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they kept, so they watched him closely, what closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, it is law, it is law on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they kept silent when they, Excuse me. But when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. We see this man had a withered hand. He had shrunk up. It had dried up and it had what the Bible says it had decayed. The man followed Jesus instruction and his hand was restored. It went back to his former state. It was reinstated. It was renewed. And I thank God for that because when see, because when thieves come into your life, we need God to restore Hallelujah to God. That which has been taken, whether it's our peace, it's our joy, it's our health, it's our family members, it's finances, it's our relationships. It can be even our faith in God. But sometimes the enemy, we, we need God to bring back to its former state, to reinstate, to renew what the enemy tries to steal from us. That's why the Lord Jesus came to redeem and restore us back to him according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 18. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. The Bible reads as follows. Now, all, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation means we're going to reconcile or we're going to restore uh, the favor of God to sinners that repent and put their trust in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In my opinion, one of the greatest Miracles that we see here is not just a restoring of a hand that's mentioned in Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, but the restoring of a heart back to God. The Bible says this, that God rejoices, the angels rejoice over one sinner that repents, over one sinner that gives their life back to God. God is happy about that. That's why many people experience God's ministry, reconciliation, why he ministered here on the earth in the church as well as outside of the church. However, it was common for Jesus to minister people in church as well as the news of him went through all, all the surrounding regions according to Luke 4 and 15. Let's go to Luke 4 and verse 15. The book of Luke 4 and 15. I want to show you this in the scriptures. And he taught in the synagogues, being glorified by all. Jesus taught in the synagogues or the churches or the place where they get believers gathered at and they glorify him, magnify him, honored him, and they praise him. We see that here in the text. We have to remember our responsibility is to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just the preacher's responsibility, but it's those who have been touched by God to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why John 12 and 32 is so important. Let's go to the book of John chapter 12 and verse 32. The book of John chapter 12 and verse 
32. And if I, and, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. So Jesus tells us that if he is lifted up, if he is exalted, if he is honored, he, from the earth, he will draw, and that means he's going to lead all peoples to himself. And that is so important for us to understand in the hour that we live in. It's important that we take what we learn in God's house and allow Mark 6 and 15 to manifest itself in our lives. Let's go to Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. The book of Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Mark 16 and verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So he tells us to go, to, to depart, to go to me to be led out, to walk out, to travel into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ to every nationality, every type of person that there is out there. I believe the Lord desires that we take the lead and begin to share his message of the good news of Jesus Christ to, and be a praying church who will constantly see God in effective ways to share his word. Part of my prayer time should be how do I share and who do I share the word with. We never want to be so selfish with the word of God that we don't share with others. We have to remember that God's house must be a house of prayer and we must be willing, we must be eager and prepared and ready to get rid of anything that is contrary to the word of God. And as we pray and hear and apply God's word, his restoration power begins to work on our behalf. We believe that the Lord will restore what the enemy has tried to take in our lives. Let's go to another scripture, Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. The book of Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Luke 4 and 16. Jesus said, excuse me, the word of God says this in the book of Luke 4 and 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. I want you to notice that Jesus' custom was to go into the synagogue, the place where believers gather, the place where they had church at. That was his custom. It was his custom to go in. So can you imagine when he came to this particular church and he saw all the different activities in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12. Let's go back over there. Matthew 21 and verse 12. It was his custom to go to the different churches, the different synagogues. And when he got to this particular church, he went into the temple and he saw all the activity and he began to Excuse me, the Bible says he drove them out. He sent them out. He cast them out. He even forced some of them out who bought and sold in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers as well as those who sold doves. The reason that that is so important that you understand that he did this and what Matthew describes as the temple of God. This was his house, and they were not conducting things the way that he thought it should have been done, and he drove all of them out. 
He drove them out. He, he cast them out and so forth. That's why Jesus wanted to make sure that his house remained sacred. It remained uh, set apart for worship. And in this case, it was not. He was concerned about how they operated individually as well as corporately. He was concerned about that. He recalled that Jesus was so upset because the people had decided not to pray. Whether knowingly or unknowingly, they had turned his house into a hiding place for thieves. The Bible says this, you have made my house a, excuse me, made my house a den for a thieves. In Matthew 21 and 13, notice how, notice this, they have produced it, they had constructed it. See, it was, it was first constructed as a house of prayer, but they turned it into a den or a cave or a hiding place for thieves, robbers, those that plunder out of the people's lives. And Jesus was upset with them. Now, what did God get there from? Because God would not make up something and just throw it out there so people would have something to talk about. Go to with me to the book of Isaiah 56 and verse 7. I want to show you where Jesus got that from. Now, God could have just said what he said, but he wanted to make sure that people understand the importance of the scriptures, the importance of the word of God. So in Isaiah 56 and verse 7, it reads as follows, even them I will bring to my holy mount and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. So he says, my house, my dwelling place should be a place where my people have a conversation with me. The, the, the place where we gather at, we should have a two-way conversation with God. God talks to us, and we're open whether God talks to back to us directly or indirectly. We know that God is going to talk back to us. We, hold on, somebody should have said amen right there. You know God been talking to you over these last months, these last years, because you have a prayer life. Mm, thank God for a prayer life. Somebody say thank God for a prayer life. And so not only that, it's a solemn request for help. It is a petition for assistance and an expression of thanksgiving for all nations. That is where Jesus got what he just said to this particular church in Matthew 21 and verse 13. Jesus, and then was says, Jesus gave them the name Den of Thieves. In my opinion, the nature of a thief is to steal anything he or she deems valuable. He called them a den of thieves. They didn't call themselves a den of thieves, but what the nature that they had, Jesus called them a den of thieves. And a thief will steal, will steal from you. He'll try to steal the way you think and talk and the way that you act like Jesus. A thief will steal, he'll try to steal your health, he'll try to steal your wealth, he'll try to steal your purpose, he will try to steal your productivity, he will try to steal your miracles, he will try to steal anything that is important in your relationship with the one true God. Remember what he told Peter? He said, Satan hath desired you that he may sift you as wheat, but I pray for you that your, pray, your faith faileth not. I believe that when we fail to pray in God's church, we give thieves access to hide in our lives, in our finances, in our marriage, in the church, etc. Let me say this to you. Thieves will hide in a deep pocket of a cave. Thieves will hide in places that you don't think that he's hide, they're hiding at. I thought about this. See, a thief will hide. 
hide. And you got to be careful that we don't have thieves hiding in our heart. We got to be careful we don't have unforgiveness hiding in our heart. We, we got to be careful we don't have bitterness hiding in our heart. We got to be careful we don't have trickery hiding in a deep part of our cave. Thank you, Lord. We don't, we gotta be careful. We don't allow jealousy to be hiding. We don't, we gotta be careful. We don't allow resentment and hatred and pride and manipulation and such like to hide deep down in the cave of our heart. And you gotta be careful because if you're not careful, you will have stuff hiding in your heart. It'll be so deep down into your heart. See, a cave got places that you can hide at that can be in the dark. And a, and a, and what happens a lot of times is that a thief, excuse me, a thief wants to stay hidden so he can pounce on you. And sometimes that unforgiveness will pounce out. Sometimes that bitterness will pounce out. Sometimes that line will pop out. Whatever is hidden, we may, I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal the dark parts of our life so we can and be free to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. And Lord, thank God that he loved us enough to expose the hidden parts of our lives. I thank God he loved me enough to say, God, listen, listen Dobbs, I loved you enough to expose there's some stuff hidden in your heart that, listen, I got to get rid of it. Lord, I ain't nothing there. Oh, I know it's there because the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. And when he continue to lead and guide us into all truth, sometimes he's going to expose something been hiding in your heart for 20 years, for 15 years, for 10 years where I've been saved, but you still may have something hiding in your heart. You still may have some bitterness and some pride and some unforgiveness and some perversion and some lying and some pride deep into the deep parts of your life. And I appreciate the fact that God loves us enough to get the hidden things out of our lives. I'm convinced that Jesus' intense for his church is made up of believers who pray individually as well as corporately. We got to continue to develop a church culture, a way of life, of humility and prayer. We can expect to see the power of God working miracles and healings in our homes, in our cities, in our states, and in our nation. And let me say this to you. Go with me to Second Chronicles 7 and 14 while, while I get this next point. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. One thing you need to understand that the world wants godly peace without God. The world wants godly peace without God. And one thing you will notice that God would not give peace without him. Mm-mm. People want Godly peace, the results of God, but without God. Now, we got to be a church that says, hey, you can have his results, but you got to have God with you. Because if you ain't got God, you don't get the results of God. And many times, people want what we got, but they want it on their terms. Well, God don't even give it to us, his children, on, his, on our terms. He gives it on his terms. That's why 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 is so powerful. Notice what it says. If my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So notice what he says, a little bit closer to that text there. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. What do I mean by humble? They think, they talk, and they act with godly character. They think, they talk, and they think, talk, and act with godly character. If they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, repent, go back, refrain from doing with what? Their wicked ways. Wicked. What simple definition for wicked? Contrary to God's word. Wicked, contrary to God's word. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Notice what it says. I am going to make their land healthy, restore favor back into their life. Watch this. Make them happy and peaceful. Listen, but we got to, as children of God, we can't look to the world for answers. We got to look to God for answers. We got to say, God, you said I get peace, I get happiness. If I do it your way, then I've got to do it your way. Yeah, I know they got things going on, but if I, they ain't doing it the way God wants it done, I, I, it'd be wasting my time. Because, you know, whatever God sanctions, that's what he ordains for to happen. And we want to do it. I don't know about you, but I want to do it God's way. I want to do it God's way. I want to do it God's way. He will heal our land. As God's people, we have a responsibility. It is a duty for us to pray and to see healing and miracles manifest themselves in their life. Now, notice what happened. Let's go back over to Matthew 21 and 14. Matthew 21 and 14. And, and notice he, had, he drove out. He has drove out all those who were doing things that were contrary to God. And he said, my house should be called a house of prayer. We pick it up, Matthew in 24. Then, 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 this next period in time. Then. Everybody say then. Everybody say it again. Then. Notice what happened with then. Then the blind and the lame came to him. But notice where they came to. They came to the temple. They came to what Matthew 21 and 12 describes as the temple of God. This is God's house. This is where they came to, but notice when they came this time, they came looking for Jesus and they were healed. The blind were healed, the lame were healed when they came this time because all that mess was, was drove out the church. And But notice who drove it out. Jesus himself drove it out. He got rid of those things like that. He got rid of them. And when he drove them out, the lame and the blind came in and they were healed. They were cured. They were restored to hell. Notice when the thieves left the temple, the miracles entered the temple. Hallelujah to God. When the thieves were drove out, the miracles happened in the house of God. But when we start, I said, God, I had to tell God this. Lord, anything that is not of God, that's stopping the people from being blessed, you need to drive it out. You know what? You know what? Notice the text. He drove them out, but he still stayed in the house of God. He drove them out, but he stayed in the temple. When God drives out something, let me tell you something, he's still going to remain there. Oh, you see the text? That's why I'm going to stay where God is at. 
listen, I, listen. If, if even if I mess around, get drove out, I at least want to be in the in a position that I repent and ask God to forgive me, so I can get back into the temple. I, Lord, I messed up. Forgive me, Lord, but let me back into the temple. Lord, I got did it wrong. Let me repent. Let me get back to the temple. Lord, let me get back to where your presence is. Let me get back to where your healing is. Let me get back to where your deliverance is. Let me get back to where the temple is. Well, the presence of God is. Because he drove them out, but yet he remained right there. You see the text, right? Because they were, listen, the blind said, oh, Jesus in the temple, y'all. The lame said, Jesus in the temple, y'all. And they came to the temple. And he healed them. He healed them. My God. But even in the midst of God doing wonderful things, not everybody going to be happy. (laughs) God is healing the blind and the lame. And not everybody's happy. You think everybody's going to be happy because you blessed? Because God blessing you? These folks, who knows how long they have been. The woman was sick for 18 years. And we, Jesus healed her. Who knows how long they were blind and lame. But Jesus healed them. And now they got the nerve. This is my, this is my words. He got the nerve to come up to Jesus. Notice what he said in Matthew twenty-one fifteen. When the chief priest and the scribe saw the wonderful things that he did. I want you to notice something about this text. The chief priests and the scribes, they saw what Jesus did. They could not deny with their own eyes that he was working miracles in their midst. They could not deny that he was doing they knew he, these people were blind and lame, and they saw what he was doing. But notice what the Bible says. Even the, even the children were giving God glory. Hosanna to the son of David. You know what's beautiful about that? The scribes and the priests, they heard them crying, Hosanna. Somebody said, well, should I be quiet when I give my praise to God? Evidently, these were. These made enough noise that the chief priests and the, the leadership of the church heard them. Even they heard the children crying out, Hosanna, son of David. And, and I'm going to show you something else here that's powerful to me. But these became indignant. They became displeased, feeling a show of anger because of something they deemed, uh, uh, deemed unjust or unworthy. We have to be mindful that even spiritual leaders in the church can get off track. It's like the chief priests and the scribes became angry at the hand of God in the work of, of the work at work in the people's lives. Even even so, we have to we even when we fail to pray and humble ourselves, we might be tempted to become indignant of what God is doing in our sisters and our brothers' lives as those that just entered to the church. We cannot be upset when God blesses my sister or my brother. I need to be happy for them. I don't need to be indignant. I don't need to be displeased. Listen, wait, if God bless you, I'm like this. I'm right around the corner. I'm, I'm real close to you, my sister. I'm real close to you, my brother. I think of God blessing you and God is not a respecter of person. If God gets you out of debt, hey, it won't be long for Dobbs to get out of there. If God healed your body, hey, it won't be 
wait long for Dobbs' body to get healed. If God brought you out and delivered you and made a way out of nowhere, it won't be long before Dobbs get you out. Lord, I know I'm not the only one in the sanctuary. Do you believe that if God brought your neighbor out, he can bring you out, he can deliver you, he can heal your body, he can get you out of death, he can... Mm. In fact, let me say this to you before I go further. He's doing it right now. Woo! He's doing it right now. I went at this point. I, listen, it used to be a time I say tap your neighbor, but I'm going to let you just, amen, look at your neighbor and then let them know that God is doing it right now. He's doing it right now. He's healing my body. He's delivering me. He's prospering me. I see a raise coming. I see a promotion coming. I see God making a way out of nowhere. I see God delivering me. I see God, hallelujah, prospering me. Lord, woo! Good God Almighty. So let me go for Let me go for A praying church will help drive out and keep out the indignant spirits that try to rise up in God's house. Yes, they will. Because now, now everyone's going to be celebrating and be happy for you that they will see God's glory shining in you and through you. Remember what 8, Romans 8, 28 says. All things are working together. They are helping, cooperating, and working for the good for those who love God and call according to his purpose. Now let's go over to Matthew 21 and 16. Let's look at this a little bit closer. And he said to him, notice they asked a question. Do you hear what these are saying? They asked the question. Do you hear what these are saying? Do you hear? They're saying, Hosanna, son of David. Do you hear? they clapping. Do you hear? They're saying, Hosanna. Do you hear about the wonderful thing? Do you hear what they're saying about you, Jesus? And what did Jesus say? Yes. <laughs> Woo! He said, yes, I hear it. I hear it. Isn't it good to know that God hears our praises? Isn't it good to know that God hears our, excuse me, our uh, telling him thanks? Isn't it good to know that when you tell God, I love you, he hears you? Isn't it good to know that I appreciate you, God hears me? Isn't it good to know that when you clap, God is saying, I hear you clapping? Isn't it good to know when you say hallelujah, you know that God hears your hallelujah? You know when you turn in victory, God knows, sees your turn in victory when God hears you? But isn't it sad when you and you, God did so much for you? And you don't never tell God thank you. Isn't it sad? Like you can be like the chief priests and the scribes and all of a sudden God did all this for you this past week and you can't even come into his house just for a few minutes and tell God thank you. Just to tell God, Lord, I appreciate everything you've done for me this week. Oh, I ain't got to wait till Sunday. I can do it on a Thursday. I can be, I can tell God, thank you on a Tuesday. I can tell God, thank you on a Monday morning. I can tell God, thank you on a Sunday afternoon. I can tell God, thank you because God is doing. I got the scripture, God. I hear you. Does he not load us daily with benefits? Every day I'm telling him thank you. What did he do for your day, Don? Oh, he put a roof over my head. What did he do for yesterday? I went to and fro. Oh, what did he do for the day before? He gave me help in my body. What did he do? He provide. Oh, he put some money in my bank account. What did he do for you, God? He's doing stuff for me every day. I said one of the greatest things he does for us is give us a revelation of his word. 
I'm telling you something. When you get revelation of God's word, that's why man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Even if I don't get a single dime in my account, but I need a revelation from God. Listen, I may, listen, my body may be challenged, but when I get a revelation from God, listen, my, I may be going through in my mind, but when I get a revelation from God, family may be going through, but I got a revelation from God. Oh, when I get a revelation from God, I'm like what they say in the book of Corinthians. He said, you know, the just shall live by faith. You know, he also said we walk by faith and not by sight. We thank God for the revelation we get on a day by day basis. We thank you for it, God. He said, yes, I heard him. I heard him. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes? Immature Christians, those who are new in the faith, unskilled and untaught and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Jesus clarified that while the so-called mature leaders in the church were in the mindset of anger and being displeased, the young and immature babes in Christ had perfected, they had restored, they had prepared, they had perfectly joined together praise. I believe the Lord Jesus eyes a perfected praise that which bring glory to God to him. And I'm always grateful for the fact that God hears my praise. You know what? I'm so grateful God. I don't even need the keyboard to play to praise God. I don't need the drummers to play to praise God. I don't need to be in the house of God to praise God. I thank God for my guitar player, but I appreciate the fact that I can, I, I be this strewn by myself. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, on a ride down the road, sometimes I have to watch myself because I'll be able to say, whoo, thank you, Jesus. I better keep driving. I better watch the road because God is good to me. If you drove like me, you would definitely be thanking God. That's this. I knew put it on the table just like that. If you drove like me, you'd be thanking God on a constant basis because sometimes I get distracted. I, I'll be, well, hallelujah, but God still keep me. How many can say that God keep you even the way you drive? Now, you didn't raise your hand. I'm going to ask your neighbor, do they drive that good? <laughs> Woo, glory. I believe that God is ready to use us and willing to humble us in prayer and possess a heart of praise and worship. He does not have a spiritual or natural age restriction. Now, I want to get something to you. Go to Psalms 8, verse 2. I want to show you what we talked about what he quoted in Isaiah. But I want to show you the power of Psalms 8 and verse 2, what Jesus quoted from. Remember, Jesus didn't, didn't tell people stuff off the top of his head. Remember, we talked about last week what Jesus, he would write, he says, it is written. That means it's valuable or it's important. This is valuable and this is important. Let me show you in Psalms chapter 8 and verse 2. Hold on, we're almost done, but I need to get this to you. This is important, at least in my opinion, because I put two, uh, uh, two, two exclamation points around this one. Notice what he says. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Watch this. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the adventure. I want you to watch this. He says you have ordained, you have established strength. Why? Because of your enemies. But notice what he does to your enemies. He silences them. Who shined that up he silenced you, what? The, your enemies. The enemy of those who are hostile to God and his children, as well as the adventure. I want to show you what that means a little bit. God, I believe this is what God showed me. Let's say, now I'm not going to bring anybody up, so just kind of watch what I'm doing. Let's say you're talking to this person right here. This person has your promotion, your favor, or something that you have. 
but the enemy is behind this person influencing this person. He, he's influencing that person. And so that person wants to help you, but there's so much influence of demonic activity that they, listen, they can't help you because they they hear so much going on in their head. Don't help them. They ain't right. This, that, and them. The limit will allow you just to make sure you don't get what God has for you. But this is what you need to know. God will silence this enemy so you can get the promotion, so you can get the favor, so you can get the business deal, so you can get what God has for you. But notice what he does it though. He does it in your praise. Watch this. Watch this. On Sunday morning, or whenever you're praising God, while you're praising God, he is silencing your enemies. Y'all didn't get that. I think two people got that. Watch this. Watch. Follow me closely. Why are you giving God glory? He said, you know what? They're giving me glory. I'm going to silence the enemy in their life. I'm going to silence the avenger, the one that tries to do them harm. I'm going to make them hush. I'm going to cause their plans to fail. That's why he said, no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper. Because he understands that the enemy don't want you to have what God has for you. But we're going to defeat the enemy on a Sunday morning. We're going to defeat the enemy on a Tuesday afternoon. We're going to defeat the enemy. You're going to get the job. You're going to get the promotion. You're going to get the increase. Because your praise is going to silence the enemy. And Jesus showed it to us here in the text. And back in Matthew 21. Notice who silenced the enemy, who the silence describes, and uh, the, the chief priest. It was Jesus who silenced them. Y'all didn't get that. They, while the children were crying Hosanna, and they were perfecting praise, Jesus dealt with the enemy. He dealt, he, he silenced them. He said, hey, have you heard? That out of the mouth of babes and that I have perfected praise? What, what can they say? You won't hear them saying nothing else no more. God said, yeah. I said, well, God, that, that's powerful. So every time I give you glory, you silence of my enemies? Watch this. The problem some people have is they trying to have a conversation with the person and the enemy. That's for they can't get. The peace, the joy, the prosperity that God has for them because they're trying to have a conversation without giving God glory. <laughs> Woo! And so I need for his people to continue to praise him. And don't you, I, oh, I got wrote something down. I need to share this with you. God gave this to me this morning. I need to share this with you. While you're on the earth, you will never know the number of battles that he won for you through your praise. You will never know. Listen, your clapping just won another battle. Your hallelujahs just won another battle. Your thank you, Jesus, just won another battle. You will see the power of God operating in your life when you learn how to give God glory from your heart, when you worship him in spirit and in truth. The number of times battles you won, the number of enemies you haven't dealt with because of your praise, the number of your time your children 
You, you cause your children to walk in victory because of your praise. The number of times you got a, a financial increase because of your giving God the glory. And listen, they look at you and wonder how you got what you got, why you're doing what you're doing, why you're wearing what you're wearing, why you're going where you're going. you like, it's got to be God. I give him glory for what I've done. I couldn't have did this on my own, y'all. It was too much for me. But God. I praise God, and that's what Jesus was telling. Have you not read in Psalms 8 and verse 2? Have I not, through the praise of the children of God, have I not silenced the enemy and the avenger? Isn't it good to know that every time you give God glory? Oh, you know what the, uh, the Old Testament said? Hold your peace and let the Lord fight your what? Let the Lord fight your battle. Because there's an enemy out there you can't defeat with your natural means. I, I, I watch people all the time. And, and sometimes I told somebody recently, I said, you trying to do this on your own, ain't you? Well, no, not really, because I got to do what I can do. I said, okay. Okay. Because I, I, it won't be long. They'll be coming back. One of the best blessings, you, well, I said, one of the great blessings you can get is, is God don't let your own work out the way you think it ought to work out. I know that'll get to me, amen, right there, but that's okay, though. Because we say all things work together for our good because we love God and call according to his purpose. Oh, oh, that's because he's his good, <laughs> not ours. And as we do it his way, we're going to be blessed. We're going to be blessed. Let me finish this up. Got a few more statements I'm going to make to you. I'm going to close it out. God has established, it called this ordained, he said ordained or established strength. We have mental toughness. Mental toughness in the mind as well as out of our mouth. We're going to yield up the praises to God. And we're going to put an end to those who oppose us, whether directly or indirectly, through our prayers, through our praise, and through our worship. You will notice that our prayer, our praise, and and the word produces miracles. Our prayer, our praise, And the word produces miracles. We see it all throughout the text. Isn't it wonderful to know that God works miracles through our prayers, through our praise, and through our worship. And through receiving, notice, he taught. In fact, one scripture said he taught as one having authority. He taught in the praise and the worship. I'm going to close with this. A praying church will experience God's miracles. A praying church will experience God's miracles. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.